This episode of Masters of the Cinematic Universe is brought to you by Mo DeWitt and DeWitt Law Firm. And be sure to check out Monday Morning with Mo every Monday morning on Facebook Live with free answers to your legal questions. Injured in a car accident or dealing with personal injury, Mo can also help you with a workers' compensation case if you're injured on the job. I don't live in Florida, but Mo would be my go-to if I did. And the best part is they take all accident cases on a contingency fee basis. This means that they will take on your case, put up all necessary funds to build your case as strongly as possible, and they only get paid if they're successful in obtaining a settlement for you. There's no fee or obligation to ask about your cases, so contact Mo today. And make sure to follow Mo DeWitt just for his incredible promotional work. He's, he's a man after my own heart. So many pop culture and film references. I've done art for Mo where he's portrayed as Indiana Jones, Charlie Brown, Frosty the Snowman, Zach Morris, Mrs. Doubtfire. I don't know if I'm allowed to say any of that. That's a, uh, that's a legal question. If you're injured on the go, just call Mo.com. And we are back. Uh, so we have seen the record flying off the shelves at Villapianos. Um, we are now the next morning at uh, Patterson's Appliances again. Um, you know, uh, Papa Patterson is <laughs> driving his wife crazy, trashing Telemart, um, his competition. I don't know if I want to live in a world where a man's got to work on Sunday to support his family. <laughs> it's the most dad shit ever. It's right? So yeah. Perfect. yeah, it is. It really is. He's he's so great in this movie. And he goes, um, he, and he goes hey, let's just take that away. She goes, yeah. You know, it's like they both know, <laughs> okay, let's just take the newspaper away and, exactly. and everything will be all right. <clears throat> just going to get rid of this. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was great. Yep. And uh, this is happening while Guy is up front setting up the display for the uh, the Wonders record so he can sell that in the store. That's and not happening. I think happy, they spelled but... it on the sign like O-N-E dash. I think they're really trying to be like, no, yeah. Yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes, absolutely. And, you know, as he's doing this, we see a camper pull up and park in front of the store. And we're going to roll another clip. And before I roll the clip, um, a lot of these clips are really long because this is a difficult movie to pull clips for. Because the scenes are long, and in order to get the point across, you got to ride it out. So this is actually one of the shorter clips. I'm just warning everyone <laughs> going forward. There's going to be some real long ones, but it's just it's, it's the way it worked out. So, Joe, roll that clip, please. Theater. Okay, let's get to work. Guy, quit fiddling around with those records up there in the window. We're not selling records here, are we? Are we, Mama? This is an appliance store, I believe. This is what they call an appliance store. It's called Patterson's Come on in. We're open. Appliance. Can I help you? You're the drummer, aren't you? Oh, that group I heard last night, uh, uh, down at Villa Pianos. Yes, I am. <laughs> Phil Horace. Guy Patterson. Do you want to buy one of our records? They're on sale. I don't want to waste any more of your time. Would you step into my office, please? You know, Guy... One of the good things about your group is there's a nice, natural, raw quality. I like that. Thank you. And I want to tell you, I've been around. And I think this is a hit record. Now, I've found that a hit record is like a stew. All the ingredients have to cook together just right. Otherwise, it's just soup. Not too early in the day for one of these, I hope. I'm thirsty. I'm not sure about this. <laughs> it's a standard management contract. It says if I do my job, you guys make money. How do we make money? Yeah, how are you, how are you gonna wrangle up some uh, dances at Roller Rinks, Youth for Christ Jamboree? Rock and roll shows in Steubenville, Youngstown, Pittsburgh, places like that. Really? Yeah. Pittsburgh? Steubenville? Yeah. And how would you like to hear that thing you do on the radio? Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> um, sure. <laughs> then leave it to me. And here's your guarantee. If I don't get this record going, and I mean serious radio airplay inside of a week, ten days at the most, we'll tear this up, and I'm no longer your manager. I don't know. I'm reluctant to sign anything that has to do with my music. <laughs> what, are you crazy? A man in a really nice camper wants to put our song on the radio. 
Give me a pen. I'm signing. You're signing. We're all signing. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, there's so much going on there. It's so funny. Lenny, again, is just priceless. Pittsburgh? Steubenville? <laughs> is, is Steubenville like a real city? Because it sounds dull. Like, I can't imagine. Yeah, well, that's what I think. I think that's the joke is, yeah, I, I don't really know about Steubenville, but it's probably real, and it probably is exactly as Lenny sarcastically described it. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's fantastic. It's just I great. lived in Pennsylvania, and I've never heard of Steubenville. So. Okay. There you go. Take from that what you will. Okay. <laughs> Enough said. Uh, yeah, so in that scene, you know, it starts off with Guy, but of course it transitions quickly to the whole band, and, you know, they've they're got their first management contract. Phil Harris is going gonna, is gonna to help them out. Uh, Phil Harris is, I mean, yeah, he is played by Chris Ellis, who is in a lot of Tom Hanks movies. Mm-hmm. Like, they're buddies, and Tom Hanks is one of those dudes who takes care of his friends, you, you know, and uh, Chris Ellis is in a lot of his movies, and he's always plays. You know, he's just good at what he does. He's a great character actor. So, um, so yeah, we're you know the band, the Wonders, are on their way, and uh, we have a first. Uh, we we get a quick cut to Tina at the dentist's office. Um, she's having some problems with her teeth, and she's waiting for her appointment. And the she's dentist about to pops get her out mouth and drilled. What's that? She's about to get her mouth drilled out. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, the dentist is, he's, uh, you know, as we learned in 16 Candle, he's an oily bohunk. That's what he is. Yeah. He, he is, he's, you know, he's hot stuff, that guy. So Tina is immediately smitten. So, oh, yeah. you know, we, we know. There, he, he's like, okay, you go ahead and spit now. She goes, I don't. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see where you would go and. You didn't let me down, man. No, no. In that in that sense, you didn't. It's like the movie was too wholesome for Joe, so he's just going to porn it up. That's yeah, what he's yeah. going to do. I'm going to make it the movie it should have been. Oh, right. Okay, so three people saw it instead of millions, right? It's going to be that <laughs> thing you do. Yeah, okay. That's the parody. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, we again, we're in the next day, day after whenever it is. Um, the bass player has got his portable radio, on, radio you know, his headphones plugged in, his little earbuds, and he, uh, you know, he walks into the Army-Navy store because uh, we'll find out in a little while why. But um, uh, guys working in... Store. The Army-Navy oh. store in the orange, yeah. like it has that sign on the brick. Army-Navy oh. store, yeah. That's and great. In, in the bonus thing, Guy actually... Gave everyone those little transistor radios so that they could listen. Oh, okay. All right. See, what's funny is I thought he just went in there to get like a dope jacket to wear while he was playing. So I'm like, he came out with that jacket. I'm like, that's just fucking fire. I'm like, I want one yeah, of Yeah, right, jackets. right. No, I, yeah, I, it might have been the intention. But yeah, I get it, though. I, I, I agree with you. That's like some shit I would have got at Goodwill back in my day. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, guys working in the store. You know, the bass player, is in the, he's in the Army-Navy store. Uh, Faye is putting some stamps on letters and dropping them in the mailbox. And she's also got one of the radios now that we know that that guy gave them out. And she hears that thing you do uh, start playing on the radio. And she goes crazy. She's screaming and so excited. She runs down the street and uh, towards Patterson's and practically knocks over the bass player. Um, She gets him to tune it into the radio station. They both hear it. They're screaming and they, they head, they rush right into Patterson's. Um, and so, yeah, guy, guy, he, you know, he hears, you know, they tell him that it's on the radio. So he's breaking out the clock radio. The bass player's going over on the hi-fi units, much to, uh, Papa Patterson's chagrin. <laughs> so don't touch that. Don't touch that. And, uh, they've got, you know, that thing you do blasting through the whole store. Even mom's getting into it. Um, How cool was his mom? Right? <laughs> exactly. You know? His dad, like, hardly ever understood, but his yep. mom was right there enjoying yeah, it all. Yeah, she was. Yeah, well, yeah, because she has to deal with him, too. That's mm-hmm. true. <laughs> That's a good point. I was impressed with the, the earbuds because for some reason in my, you know, head, I thought that came much later. So to see it in the, in the 60s, I was like, oh, okay. Well, if you would listen through those earbuds, you would know that there was time. Yeah, they, bad, bad. they sucked. They sounded like shit. <laughs> they sucked. But, yeah, they were there. They were there. Um, I also have to, just another quick aside. My grandfather, my dad's dad, he was a tinkerer. The guy built shit, invented shit all the time. He built my dad a transistor radio out of a Bakelite material. Built it nice. from scratch. Made the circuit boards 
Jeez. got the components. Whoa. He worked for he worked for Sperry, which at the time was a defense contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they're even around anymore, but you know, World War II before World War II, and he built my dad, and I was able to use that thing. So like forty years later, when I was wow. like young my dad gave it to me and i was able to listen to the local radio stations on this thing with a little earbud like like uh you saw eric so yeah that was that was really cool i'd be interested radio once out of a dewalt drill case oh there you go killed it and like transistors were picking the radio stations (laughs) (laughs) it'd be interesting to see how like accurate all the like that big hi-fi unit you know it's like this big wooden cabinet like i'm curious at one point i think my mom I don't know. We were watching the movie. I think it was my mom. She's like one of the clock radios. So he's like, I had that radio. But yeah. like, I don't, and I, you know, I also don't care. But like, how how accurate are all those little radios and those devices? Because that would have been the cutting edge stuff back then, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You find movie people are like, actually, that radio wasn't uh, introduced to the market until 1971. I know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. But you know what? I It's funny. You always find a lot of trivia on movies, period movies, if it isn't correct. Yeah. There is nothing out there on this movie Good point. that says yeah. these things aren't correct. And I mean, you know, granted, I, I was a year old when this movie took place. But when I was young in the house, we had a huge, gigantic credenza with two, you know, the both ends of this credenza had speakers in them and there was a whole hi-fi stereo behind the doors, you know, and then above that was, was an area for a TV and there was the bar. <laughs> he opened it up and there was a full bar there. So, I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was like, you know, electronics as furniture mm-hmm. back in the day. Yeah. And so, I mean, they probably were really accurate. So, well, in um, the movie, when he kicks that thing on, I mean, they made it sound like yeah. awesome. Yep. Yeah, it was cool the way they did that because even when it went from the transistor radio to the clock radio, it bumped up. And then it mm-hmm. bumped up yet again when they turned on the hi-fi. Um, so at that point, uh, Jimmy and Lenny screech up in the car. They like triple parked out in the middle of the road. They come running in and they're just, you know, they're, they're ecstatic. I mean, it, it, I can only imagine this, might, this has got to be the coolest thing ever for, for a band, you know. Um, and this is where we first hear guy who looks to the heavens and screams i am spartacus so you know this is, is going to be his catchphrase and uh, we hear it for the first time um we then quickly go to guy calling tina to share the news because he's so excited and uh her mind is on her dental issues how we say <laughs> um this is the last time we see tina in in the movie at least in the theatrical version anyway of this movie um doesn't work out well so now uh Due to, uh, you know, the, their managers, um, you know, working, uh, they are going to play a rock and roll show in Pittsburgh. Um, so they are there to perform for or at the Boss Vic Koss, <laughs> Koslovich, I think he's the Mattress King or something like that. Um, he has a rock and roll show that he does in the area. So uh, they're, they're opening that show. So, um, and I know there is some trivia about one of the band's names, that's on the marquee that's also tied to the Apollo astronauts and I can't remember what it is. Right? There's a band that's like Blah Blah and the Blah Blahs and those two names are names of astronauts that may have been in oh, Apollo 13. Or, yeah. I remember he says the Hollyhocks. But, right. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, but on the marquee beforehand, it's like there's one yeah. of the bands. I, I forget okay. what it is, but uh, it's something for the audience to look up. <laughs> um. So the boys are backstage. They're prepping for the performance, but it does not go well. Um, <laughs> Boss Vic, of course, calls them the Oneaters. Um, they're out there, and the mics don't work at first. Uh, then when they turn them on, the feedback is horrendous. Uh, the audience starts yelling at them. Uh, guy cymbal, one of his cymbals crashes to the ground. It just It's a shit show. There's no other way to put it. Um, so we don't even really hear them play <laughs> this performance. Um, the next scene is Guy and Horace are walking down the street in Pittsburgh. Um, and Horace is trying to give Guy... He, what's that? Done, did he do? Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, you missed, you missed uh, uh, another accuracy thing here. Yeah. Um, the vehicle that they originally were, were signed in, the reason they went to Pittsburgh is because that belongs to Ben Roethlisberger. Because it's a... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, 
Not that Ben doesn't deserve that, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is kind of a rapey kind of vehicle. No, exactly. Oh, God. And, yeah, and that is actually going back to that team real quick. It's kind of funny because, like, 2022 guy would yeah. not have gotten in the back of a camper with any man who just said step into my office without yeah. a little more explanation. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I in mean, 64, was... it was okay. Wow, this is a nice camper. Uh, yeah. Have you seen campers? <laughs> exactly. Yes, yeah. I'm going to sign this contract because this, nice, this man in a nice camper. Now, also, that badge. Like, oh, go ahead, yeah. Joe. Sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, he's like, and if in 10 days this doesn't work, we'll tear us up. I'm like, can you write that on there? I know. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of doesn't mean much unless you write it down. I know. Man's only as good as his word. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. But that, that whole scene, that bad show, again, felt so yeah. authentic to being in a band. Yes. And yeah. feeling like you're ready for the next step, and then having everything come crashing down, like it just, yep. it fit. It fit all of the experiences I had. I'd say, like up till this point in the movie, is about where I related to it because mm-hmm. we, right. we we fell apart around when we started getting these kind of shows. Well, but the uh, the manager and you know the man in the nice camper minus the rape, and <laughs> the, you know. And and hearing the song on the radio, that brought a tear to my eye, man, because yeah. I remember how exciting that was. Granted, like we heard our song on the radio at two o'clock in the morning, you know, so it was a little <laughs> different. But it was that experience, like that excitement and feeling like you know, so naive and so you know, like my bandmates and I lived together and I remember after a night of like drinking Sutter home wine, one of them saying, I think it was the bass player saying like you know the beatles didn't know they were going to be the beatles and we could t- like that kind of young naive yes. stuff so yeah. that's that's where i connected a could lot could you with imagine this. like you know picking up the video game rock band for the first time and then like looking on the list of songs and seeing a band you started on there but you're not in it <laughs> <laughs> that that's why you hate this movie because you're bitter, man. It's that's just true. That's yeah, very true. <laughs> no, that's that's a unique experience, man. I don't. But that show <laughs> yeah. in that theater again, not to keep going back to the uh, extended cut, but there's a really cool moment there. But when he starts, when when guy starts doing the intro, and the, it just it sounds just not right. Like there's too yeah. much yeah. echo, and it just doesn't like you would have to have done that to know that feeling. And I mean, does it do, do, do the same thing to you where you just go like, yeah. Oh, this sounds awful. Oh, and yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, so yeah. It sounds awful. So you play awful and then you're yep. distracted by one thing, which yeah. makes everything else go wrong. You're fighting oh, with man. the sound guy and you know, yeah. yeah, just the nervous energy. Like I remember our first big show like that. We were so impressed with the fact that there were security and like a, like a gate between the stage mm-hmm. and where people stood. That's all we could talk about. We're like, Oh my God, like we've made it, man. Like right. there's, there's a barrier between the crowd and the <laughs> stage. Like this is insane. Yeah. We and heard we, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. It's the authenticity of this movie that really drives it home, you know? And, and I, you know, I bet you it's, you know, for someone who's not into music or is a musician, it's probably subconscious, but they even get that vibe because the movie exudes that authenticity. So that, that vibe probably affects everybody in the audience in some way or another, and it's, it's really cool, definitely. So, um, so, yeah, the next day, so Horace is trying to give Guy a pep talk because, um, you know, Guy's obviously down in the dumps. The whole band is, but, you know, Horace has seen this 100 times. He knows it's not the end. Plus, he also knows what's coming in a second. Um, he steers him uh, into a Chinese restaurant. By yeah, I know what you need. You need to sample the fine cuisine of the Far East or something like that. He says. To yeah. Uh, so they walk in, and we at that point get our first glimpse of the mysterious Mr. White, Tom Hanks. So Joe, roll that clip. You're gonna get it all back tonight. I promise you. You know what you need? You need to sample the exotic cuisine of the Far East. What do you say? Come on, I'm buying. somebody I want you to meet. Mr. White, this is Guy Patterson. Hi, sit down. Mr. White is with Playtone Records. He just happened to be in town this week and he caught the show this afternoon. Oh, great. 
Nevertheless, I think he wants to talk business with you. Well, I have heard your record, Guy, and I like it. I like it a lot. That thing you do, you know, it's snappy. Yeah. Snappy. It's a hit record. We'd like to release it and add the wonders to the Playtone stable of artists. Just like that? Well, some papers will have to be signed, and you'll have to get me the master recording tapes. And you will have to say goodbye to Phil here. Wait, no. Phil's our manager. Not anymore. <laughs> My bird dogging is done. Playtone's gonna take real good care of you. Uh, what if we don't want to be with Playtone? I don't, I don't know. No offense. None taken. You want to stay in Pittsburgh and play to the Three Rivers crowd? Phil here is your man. Oh, no, no, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Guy, Playtone has a show touring state fairs. This is the big time, the full bore. This is a rock and roll tour that will feature the wonders, provided you quit sitting on your brain. And we'd be on tour? Yeah. A tour? with other stars of the Playtone Galaxy. I have to talk this over with the rest of the band. See what I mean? Smart. Very good. <laughs> yeah, so it's very cool. You know, they're taking the next step as a band. Um, and Mr. White's there to guide them. So... Uh, we jump to a quick scene where they're all together, the whole band and Mr. White's together. He lets them know they're changing the name to The Wonders, you know, as it's properly spelt because it's confusing. Um, he as also in, lets them... Yeah. I wonder what happened to the Oneaters. Yes. <laughs> One of the best lines of the whole movie. It's, it is, it is. I know, Lenny dropping that and Mr. White looks at him. Exactly. <laughs> um, he lets them know that touring is the priority at this point because Jimmy's, you know, he's talking about recording. Um, the bass player finally lets us know uh, when they're talking about the length of the tour that he can't stay with them for the entire tour because he is uh, enlisted in the Marines. Uh, so now we know why he went in to buy, buy that jacket at the Army-Navy store. Um, so he's leaving at the end of August. Mr. White's fine with that because uh, he is the bass player. and <laughs> He can be replaced, I guess. Um, Faye is now deemed the uh, costume mistress so that she can stay and travel with the band. And I just, in my notes, I have Jimmy continues to make us, you know, make sure we all dislike him because <laughs> that's what he does. He, you know, he doesn't stop. Um, it's at this point where we are introduced to Shades for the first time as Mr. White gives Guy some sunglasses. And, yeah, he becomes Shades. So um, we are quickly back at Patterson's where uh, Guy on the phone is telling his dad that what's going on. And his dad is less than happy because now he's short one person. Yeah. <laughs> and the great line, he goes to Guy's sister, all right, you're promoted. Does that mean I'm finally going to get paid? <laughs> no, who said that? No. <laughs> it's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, no, you can, you can play your bongos. It's, you know. Yes. <laughs> when he yeah. hangs up, he's like, yeah. your son just left us in the lurch. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, uh, so we're now at the Ohio State Fair, um, their first tour date um, and mr white drops off a box of 45 records uh with that thing you do uh with the playtone label which like blows the band's mind they're like crazed you know they, they cannot believe what's going on um more excitement the uh the band meets diane dane <laughs> lenny <laughs> once again he steps up and just knocks it out of the park you, you, you're my first. You were f my first boy-girl thing. Was to a picture of you, <laughs> like oh, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know he. <laughs> so she walks off. She's not happy, but she does notice Jimmy right away. And there's a there's an instant connection there. Uh, they meet Freddie Fredrickson next. Next, he sings the theme for Mister Downtown. Uh, guy sings it to him, and it's just friggin awkward <laughs> it's like they're huge fans of his but you know he's he's a good guy he's a nice guy but he's he's done with us uh so that got a little awkward um 
uh, we jump to the stage where Freddie is singing Mr. Downtown. Um, and I try to find this because I, I read the trivia afterwards, but Chris Isaac is in that band apparently on stage, but I couldn't see him. Now, maybe it's the director's cut where, where mm. you can see him, but apparently he was in that band playing for that scene. Not yeah. as Uncle Bob, I don't think. I think just as one of the band members. Huh. Um, but, yeah, I, I tried finding it, but I, I went back and looked, but I couldn't see it. It's about 45 minutes in, I think. Um, so he's singing Mr. Downtown. Um, and the boys are, you know, on the side of the stage, matching outfits. They're watching. Um, Mr. White points out K.O. Belly, a local radio DJ, and the biggest cootie I ever saw. <laughs> I love that line. And uh, he reminds the boys that uh, you, you guys look great in red. Have I told you that? And that, that's a theme. Um, and then uh, Freddie introduces them. And the, they go out and they kill it. And the crowd, while lukewarm to start because they don't know who they are, um, are loving it by the end. So uh, they're on their way. Um, this is next my scene. first issue with this movie was that blue screen shot of the crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Ooh, 90s. Yeah. Yep, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, so Mr. White, next scene, Mr. White shows them uh, Billboard magazine. And they are now number 93 on the charts. So they've got a record on the, in the top 100, and it blows their mind. Um, we've got a very Beatles-like uh, montage that comes up. Um, they are doing silly things, running in fast motion. They're riding tricycles over a map of the United States on a playground. Um, now that song it, that's going during that montage yeah. is probably my favorite on the whole soundtrack. Yeah. It's like this instrumental surf tune, and it's by... Yep. The credit, you see Tom Hanks' name in the credit, but <clears throat> the band is supposed to be called the Saturn V. Again, another, you know, yep. 60s space theme. But it's a that's a perfect song. It is yeah, fantastic. It is. And that's, for me, like that instrumental surf stuff, I know this won't work on the, the podcast, but, you know, like I got Shantae's and Ventures. Oh, there you go. Like, yep, yep, yep. Like that... Um, when I when this movie came out, um, I was like just getting into guitar, and mm. what got me into guitar was instrumental surf music. And so, um, like the uh, the you know we're joking about Bigsby's and whatnot, but the the first <laughs> the yeah. first time I had a guitar with the Bigsby, like I wanted to learn that song because of those surfy you know you cool. hit that chord and kind of drop yep. it a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. So that was exactly. a very special song for me. Excellent. Yeah, it's a great scene. It really is. And interspersed in that montage are quick shots of Billboard magazine, and they are climbing. They're number 71, then they're number 49, and they're now number 21 on the charts. So um, things are happening. Um, we, we quickly cut to Patterson's where Chad, the former drummer, um, he gets a job. He, they got a help wanted sign because the guy's no longer there, and he walks in with his broken arm, and he gets hired. So he's one of the Patterson's crew now. Um, we felt so bad for Chad when we watched this movie. Yeah, yeah I know, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Poor Chad. Um, I mean, that's part of the whole Beatles mythology that this movie mm-hmm. lays out. I mean, there are so many mirrors to the Beatles in this movie. It's it's amazing. Um, and that's, and it's, that's just one of them. It's odd how Chad kind of takes the place of Guy, like even with his own yeah. family. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I know. I know. Uh, more likable. I mean, Dad likes him more. <laughs> yeah. What the heck is that? You all know, about? it's like kind of weird. You know. One um, corny thing was he's always walking around with the sticks in his back pocket. Like, <clears throat> yes. Come on. Yeah, drummers was, don't yeah. do that. Is no, that not yeah, a thing? No. No. <laughs> no, that's the stereotype of drummers. <laughs> I also like. Uh, I, I like Skitch's uh, the way he holds the sticks. That like jazz, you know. Yeah. Traditional. I only ever drummed yeah. with guys who held sticks like this. You know, like, <laughs> that, like this. That little. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, all right. Another aside. My dad, after he got home from Korea and he had his GI Bill money, he took drum lessons with Gene Krupa. Oh, nice. <laughs> what? Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. He oh. spent about a month or six weeks. Um, he lost interest or probably met a girl. I don't know. This was way young. But, yeah, he, he studied with Gene Krupa for about one or two months. Dang. That'd be intense. Yeah. My, right? My, I know. My private bass instructor was Barry Gibbs in college what? oh that's cool that's yeah. crazy man and our holy music director God. was dave brubeck what holy shit mm-hmm. yeah Jeez. oh man all right what have I that's been doing amazing dude 
<laughs> yeah, what's funny is at the time though, I didn't give a shit about Barry Gibbs. I'm like, like who's this old fucker with this hair? <laughs> oh, that's back great. in 2000 in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> and our that's and our cool. band, um, our producer who turned out to be a total piece of shit was Rick Finch from Casey and the Sunshine Band, the bass player from Casey and the Sunshine Band. Oh yeah. He was our uh, producer. Which Eric, if you've listened to Tom and Dan at all. You've heard oh, Tom talk guys. about the bass player from uh, from 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 Casey and the Sunshine Band quite a bit, probably. Was he like a pedophile or something? Something. Yeah, weird? he ended up being like a pedophile and was Ugh. like molesting one of the bands he'd signed. Oh, no, God. he was always Not a ours. pedophile. He didn't end up being one. He ended up getting <laughs> caught being a pedophile. He ended up being caught. Yeah, but there was a band called Non Dairy Creamer where he was diddling one of the singers to that band. Oh, yeah. all right. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, you word. wanted the real the real music industry. This no, is what it really right. is. That's it's right. not all fucking, um, you know, wonderful campers. And <laughs> it is in this movie, and that's yeah. what we're reviewing today. I'm making the real movie. Yeah. We're suspending disbelief, right? Yep. The camper wasn't so nice after all. <laughs> Let's just so, call it. He is the hit you where the sun don't sunshine, man. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, help us, please. You uh, want to know what makes a good stew? <laughs> Eric, you're encouraging him. <laughs> Eric, I need some art. <laughs> All right. So, um, so they are be- they're being interviewed at the fair uh, by a local TV station. <laughs> of course, Lenny pulls a Lenny. Well, I'm not here with these fellers. I've got a cow in the in the at the livestock pavilion, and I'm going to win that blue ribbon. <laughs> That's my favorite line of this whole movie. Is it great? On TV, you know, like <laughs> yes. his big moment to be on TV. <laughs> yeah, he's talking about blue ribbons. It's yeah, so he good. Was the best. Yeah, he is. And um, that was the thing with Tom Hanks too. Was um, one of the little vignette interviews I saw of Steve Zahn. It was like they were they kept trying to like push each other for the comedy. So like, oh, cool. The, I mean, Steve's on just funny no matter what. Yes. But it was really him trying to out funny Tom Hanks. I think yeah. it was where a lot of that stuff came from. I wonder yeah. if he was high because he seems like he was higher in the shit <laughs> the uh, whole he, time. He acts like that all the time, even in like serious roles. So I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he could be high what all was, the time. Who knows? What was the movie where they, uh, they kidnapped the girl? It was him and uh, Saving Silverman. Saving Silverman. Oh, Saving Silverman. Jack Black <laughs> and, and <laughs> yeah. Man oh, it's so good. Yeah. Jason Biggs, yeah. That's a good movie. That's a funny, that's a dumb, stupid, funny movie. Like, yeah. I, I still laugh at that movie when it comes on. It's funny. Um, so now we are, they're on stage again, and we get to hear another snappy tune other than that thing you do. And I mm-hmm. dig this song, Dance With Me Tonight. Yeah. I actually like um, this song. Yeah. Yes. A lot this of people is, actually yeah. like this more than the actual, yes. like, that thing you do song. Yeah, I, I I really dig this. I really this dig this song. Also, and, the instruments were upgraded. Thank you, yep. Joe. Yeah. Exactly. This is our first full view of the upgrade. Um, the, it you know. matched that energy, you know, of like what you would yes. feel like if you just got that brand new, uh, you know, was, was he playing a Jaguar? Uh, he had a yeah. Jaguar. Jaguar. Got yeah. the Rickenbacker. Got the Rick. Precision and then, bass. Was he playing a P or yeah. a J bass? One of those. One of those. One nice. of those, too. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. But yes, yeah, so yeah. he was on with the, with the upstrokes, the gank. Yeah. Gank. Yeah. Oh. That's exactly. Yeah. The thing, yeah. like, they didn't have to be that accurate. But no, yeah, no, it was, no, it was. Exactly. See, that's when I was like, okay. I was like, finally, they're getting something good going on. Yeah. And he, they also had them play more comfortably. Like, when you go back and watch them play at that talent show, you know, like, they're looking down at their hands yes, like they're playing exactly. like yeah. like they're less familiar but as that energy kind of grows then they get more of that confidence in their, right. their stance well that's because they went from buddy holly to now they're in the sweater song <laughs> see i was going to say you know that thing you do is like the beatles where dance with me tonight is more like the early stones it's got an edge yeah. to it you know what i mean it's got, it's got, got an teeth, edge man yeah it's, it's still that young rock and roll but it's got an edge to it which was the difference between the bands in my in my eyes anyway um even uh, so mr he, white got into it too and he's yeah like, right with, <laughs> yes yeah. exactly i love that i absolutely love that i, I make he sure i'm staring himself. at the tv every time that scene comes on because i love when he does that um so we now jump to the Chantrelines, which is one of the uh, you know members of the Platone stable galaxy of stars. Okay, uh, that, this yeah. is where this movie gets weird because if you 
had told me that that wasn't a real song that came out in the 60s. I know. Like, fuck you, of course it is. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yep. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm angry that this is fake because it felt so real that I well, grew up thinking like, oh, yeah, that's that. Yeah, I've heard. Okay. Yeah. Do you know the story behind this one? Okay. No. <laughs> no. No? All right. So um, and now I cannot remember her name who sang Mickey. You know that song, Mickey? Oh, Mickey, you're yeah. so fine. Yeah. Tony. Uh, Tony Basil. Yeah. Tony yeah. Basil. She was hired to do the choreography for that. Oh. And she changed the lyrics. Um, you, you hold my hand and hold my heart. That's hers. She put that in there. So she, she like, tweaked that song, which lended, you know, gave it even more of an actual, like, the feeling that we're all talking about now is it's like, this can't not be a real song. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was part of it. I mean, cause well, I mean, it is a real song. Yes. <laughs> right. But it's just, um, I could, I could have gone my whole life not knowing that they wrote the songs for this movie. You could have, exactly. I, as an old man in a nursing home, when, yes, that thing you do. I remember <laughs> that movie from the nineties, <laughs> classic songs in the soundtrack, yeah. the Chantel's yeah. dun, 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 like that must've been in the sixties. Love it. <laughs> Right. No, no. They they did such a good job capturing all these yeah. different genres, the Motown yep. stuff, the Beatles stuff. Like it, it feels. I've said authentic forty times in this episode, but it feels authentic yes. as fuck, man. Exactly. It's incredible. So, as the Chantrolines are doing this, the bass player is off on the side, <laughs> and he is choreographed. He he is he is absolutely doing every choreographed move to a T perfectly and to take a step back when we talked about the montage scene in that montage okay there's one scene where Faye introduces uh the bass player to one of the members of the chantrolines because he's got a thing for her and this is something i didn't know either but in the trivia i found out if you watch, if you read Faye's lips she says i'd like you to meet our bass player <laughs> so she doesn't even call yeah. him by his name when they're not even saying words, when there's a song playing oh, over, okay? Um, there's another, again, maybe it's a drinking game at this point every time Kevin mentions the <laughs> extended cut, but the, um, I don't want to spoil it because it was so well done, but there's a cool scene where um, it involves Guy and like part of that montage, and he's showing them where they, they are on Billboard, and it's the bass player and the Chantrelines girl. Um, it gives a little bit more insight to kind of you know where they're at. Yeah. Oh man, it was just, it was really, really like there's, you don't hear the dialogue and you don't need to. It's funny. Right. It's this awkward moment. Yep. He kind of walks in and then he, he leaves and he kind of like, he just, he shakes the bass player's hand. Like, good job, <laughs> man. It was really, really well done. Yep. 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 Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was neat. It was definitely was neat. So, uh, we are now at a local pub at whatever city they're in for the next state fair, uh, concert. <laughs> Lenny is Lenny is sitting down uh, at a booth playing Go Fish with two of the fair officials. <laughs> they actually have ribbons that say official. So they worked at the fair, and he's playing Go Fish with them. Um, and apparently some science club, some high school science club, wherever they were filming the state fair thing, donated the uniforms for the officials so it would look real. Like they, they, cause again, lending to the authenticity, they wanted the, the people who worked at the state fair to look like they worked at a state fair. Um, yeah. So we, Lenny's playing go fish guy is intruding on Bobby Washington's <laughs> hangout at a booth. Um, you know, he's fanboying like crazy big jazz drummer, uh, loves him. Uh, and of, of course just starts talking about Del Paxton, even though he's meeting, uh, you know, Bobby Washington, um, Jimmy's bothering Diane Dane with the Billboard magazine. And um, Mr. White comes. He talks to Faye. Um, he's trying to get a vibe on, you know, how, how long Faye is and Jimmy have been together and what's Guy got going. Um, and you, you start to get the beginnings of the fact that he's on to Jimmy. Like, he knows this shit's not right. And um, the wheels are turning in Mr. White's head because he doesn't like what he's singing and he wants to protect Faye. So, um, yeah, so we're back at the fairground. Um, a lot of quick cuts happening here. Uh, guy is going through a set of sunglasses, picking out the best ones. Lenny's playing more cards with a bunch of people at a picnic table. He's trying to impress a girl at this point. Um, Jimmy is sitting in on Diane Dane's sound check, and he's getting, they're getting very chummy. So there's some fishy going on there, too. Um, 
And then it co it's a cool transition. She's doing the sound check, Diane Dane, not really into it. And then the shot transitions to her on stage at the show. Um, it's really cool. And, you know, the band is on the side getting ready. And, you know, Mr. White chimes in again. You fellas look great in gold. Have I told you that? <laughs> um, so they, um, they play. They are now headlining the tour, right? So Diane Dane is finished. She introduces or Freddie comes on and introduces them. But at this point, they're the headliners. The crowd goes nuts when they start playing, okay? Um, so after they're done, they head back to the dressing room. And Mr. White is there to share some news with them. So, Joe, please roll the clip. Change of plans. We are leaving here just as soon as possible. Where are we going? That thing you do is the fastest rising single in the history of the Playtone label. As of tomorrow morning, you wonders, you've got the number seven record in the country. <gasps> small potatoes we are on a plane flying to the coast as long as we make the airport on time Yeah, big whirlwind. Um, it's really cool because they're so, you know, this is perfect because they're no, they have the number seven record in the country, but as a group, they're, they're, the innocence is still there. You know, yeah. the excitement that they they exude when they're told the number seven is the same as it was the first time they heard the song on the radio. Like, they're still, it, 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 they are just absolutely, like, enthralled with, with everything that's happening. They can't believe it. So um, it's a really it's cool like scene. That full-on Beatlemania Hard yeah. days, night type shit. Absolutely, here. absolutely. Yeah. And we get a quick thing where where Jimmy forgets Faye and she almost gets left behind. But Guy, he rescues her. He goes back and gets her and says she's with us and gets in the car. And they kind of talk about this later in in a general sense. But um, you can see the guy is doing all this stuff. Like he doesn't even know that he's in love with Faye yet. Like he's just doing this because that's the kind of guy guy is he's a good guy, you know what i guy. mean like yeah. he's a good guy this guy exactly <laughs> so like he's just doing what he thinks is the right thing whether it comes from you know we learned earlier that or we learned later that he was he, he was in the army you know for a bit so who knows what it is his upbringing and everything else he's just a good person and you know it's it's obviously going to work out so well, that, that's um, kind of the crux of this movie right it's like how does success change these kids yeah. And you see Jimmy change, not change, but lean into his, you know, there, right. there's he does, hints yeah, of how exactly. he is. And he that sort of amplifies Yeah, exactly. Guy yeah. was always just so tickled by, you know, oh man, like I get to play music. It's been a while since I've done that. It's so cool. And he's meeting, he's more excited to talk to these jazz musicians than right. he is to do stuff with the wonders. Exactly. He's just a, a really pure character. And yeah. I will say this about this movie. They do a wonderful job at like foreshadowing early in the movie, um, whether it's with Guy, whether it's with TB player, just, you know, doing push-ups and, you know, going to the Army Navy store and being really excited, looking at the mannequins yes. and feeling really yeah. proud. Like there's just these little moments of 
here's who these people are. Here's how the the success is going to propel them into who they're going to be. Um, right. Yeah, guy's a good guy. I like guy. Guy, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we are now, uh, you know, we're winging it to the coast now. Uh, we're we're on the plane, and uh, Faye is sick. She's getting sick. Uh, guy's there to take care of her. She's got a fever. He sets her up with a blanket, and a pillow, and uh, then they go back to talk to Mister White. In, in the most uncomfortable plane seats ever. Because if I ever got seats where I had to face somebody on a five-hour flight, like murder. <laughs> murder would be done. It just this is not happening. But I guess back then that was the thing. I don't know. Um, not that long ago. I mean, just, I don't know, ten, at least 10 years ago. I remember being oh, on, didn't? like, a, I think it was, like, Southwest or something where they had them facing each other. Really? Oh, no. That didn't you be... work for an airport during this era? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that... JFK Airport was called Idlewild when this movie takes place. <laughs> okay, they hadn't even named it to JFK yet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I met I met a very young Brooke Shields then, Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're talking to Mr. White um, on the plane. Jimmy is obsessing about recording. Um, you know, Mr. White lets them know they've got to pay homage to Saul Seiler, the the head of of the Playtone. Uh, record, Playtone Records. Um, when he when he asks what hotel they're staying in, and Mr. White's answer is like so perfect because it's so Lenny. You know the one that Lucy and Ricky stayed at when they went to California with Fred and Ethel. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I think that might mean a little more to me than some of you guys. But it was funny. Um, you know, he mentions they're going to be in a major motion picture, and that uh, you know if he's done his job. They're going to perform on the Hollywood Television Showcase, which is a, a weekly variety show on television at the time. Um, at that point, <laughs> Lenny proceeds to just annoy the <laughs> shit out of White. I mean, yeah. he, he, you know, he's he's playing with the wrapping paper on the mint, and you know, then he chews it loudly. He's just like a child, and it, it's great. He just goes, go go up in the cockpit. Tell tell him it's your birthday. <laughs> so Lenny takes off. Um, so. We are now in Hollywood. Um, I'll apologize in advance. This is a fairly long clip. It's about three minutes long, and it's a couple of scenes strung together, kind of, just because, again, that's how this works in, in this movie. So, Joe, could you roll that, please? Well, then, charge it to your room, Sherry. Two, Excuse two, me. four, two. Ooh. And I'll send you up some soup, too. Oh, thank you. My name is Lamar, and this is my hotel. We take care of people here. I'm Faye. Didn't I check you in with a quartet of gentlemen? And why aren't they here to take care of your needs? They're off making a major motion picture. Oh, we got movie stars in my hotel. They're musicians, actually. Even better. Yeah, keep playing. All right, Anita. I get the message. It's about time you noticed, Rick. Thanks, Goofball. Sure thing, Anita, sweetheart. Keep dancing, Goofball. Now we got at the ocean. Say the line. We're being invaded. Run out of the shot. Play back. Randall. Yeah. 
You know, we look like a bunch of chimpanzees. No, we look like a rock and roll band playing a rock and roll song during weekend at Party Pier. Yeah, here's the thing. We're not the wonders right now. We're Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. Hey, good news, fellas. You get to keep your wardrobe. <laughs> hey, do we have a top ten record? You sure do. Well, then we shouldn't be here. What, would you rather be back on that state fair tour, Jimmy? They're playing North Dakota this week. No, no, no. I vote for Weekend at Party Pier. Smart man. Yeah, yeah you should have told us about this Rick and Anita movie. <laughs> so I was in a dad band a few years ago in Pennsylvania. And whenever we'd play a bar or something, we didn't have a name. So we'd just tell them we were Cap and Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters. <laughs> That's great. And whoever got the reference, we gave them a thumbs up. You know. That's so great. Um, yeah, I was going to save this one for later, but Jimmy is definitely a stepbrother's punchable face person. Like, I just want to punch him in the face, and there's not a damn thing he can do to change it. Because I just want to hit him. He's an awful person. Um so some cool trivia. Um, the director of uh, Weekend at Party Pier was Jonathan Demme, um, who unfortunately passed away. Um, I mean, Silence of the Lambs adaptation. I mean, you know, the list goes on. He was one of the greats. Um, but he did that because he's a friend of Hanks. Well, he, he directed Hanks in Philadelphia. Mm. Um, so they were friends, and he had him come yeah. on the movie. Um, do you, does anybody know why they're called Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooter? No. So, um, they're named. The band is named after two restaurants that um, Hanks frequented while filming Forrest Gump down in South Carolina. There was a restaurant called Captain Geach's, and uh, and there was another restaurant called the Shrimp Shack. (laughs) That's how he came up with the name. You know, it's like another cool little thing. He he loves like I said. Well, like we said earlier, he loves casting his friends, taking care of his friends, but he also he takes care of the people that he's involved with on whatever level it may be during a movie. You know what I mean? He remembers things and he, you know, he, he tries to give a nod when he can. So um, that's pretty cool. Um, so after that, they get to, they visit a radio station where they get to say, hi. <laughs> they think they're there for an interview and uh, that's, you know, they say hi to the DJ and then that's it. They're done. Um, that DJ was Paul Feig, the director and writer, who was at one point a very funny and talented director, but then for some reason fell off the face of the earth, mainly because of Ghostbusters. But <laughs> he was responsible for that mess, but he used to be funny. Um, you know, he did uh, uh, Bridesmaids, which was like hysterical. He might have done The Heat with Sandra Bullock and, and uh, McCarthy, but I don't remember. But he was a funny dude at one point. They visit another radio station where, again, Hank showcases his dedication to friends. Um, that's uh, the DJ is played by Clint Howard, who is Ron Howard's brother, um, and they know each other again from Ron Howard and, and Tom Hanks working together a lot. So he had him in that movie. Uh, guy gets to fanboy about jazz, and, and <laughs> Lenny again he drops the Lenny reference of you know Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters as the band that uh, you know set him off so <laughs> um we now get to meet the illustrious uh saul siler the head of playtone records um they're in the lobby of the playtone building um you know saul makes a grand entrance down the stairs he's played by alex rocco another wonderful actor passed away a few years ago um he was uh he was in the godfather and countless other movies great guy um he comes walking down. He holds court with the press, and <laughs> they, you know, he wants to introduce the wonders. And you know, the 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 press is, you know, ask him about getting punched by Sandy Koufax and having lunch with Suzanne Plachet and uh, and stuff. It's pretty funny. Um, again, for an old guy like me. Anyway, <laughs> um, so he introduces the wonders. It's done in like thirty seconds, and they're kind of all scratching their heads, but. Lenny's already on to other things. He's sitting on the receptionist. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just think about the lines and I laugh because my favorite line is not even spoken by Lenny. It's spoken by the receptionist. And that he says, how long have you been doing this? And she looks at him and goes, how long have you been wearing tight pants like that? <laughs> <laughs> well, if that was a pickup line, we're a match made in heaven. 
it's just so great. Um, so uh, where am I? There I am. Uh, Jimmy goes over and bothers Saul while he's having his deli, and he loses it. <laughs> you know, it's not a good idea. He should have been left alone. Mr. White sees it too late. Um, and we find out that Mr. White's first name is Andy because that's what Saul yells. Um, he screams, Andy. <laughs> so that's the, that's it. So Tom Hanks was Andy in, uh, in Toy Story, and he's Andy in this, too. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Well, he was Woody. Andy was the Oh, kid. no, right. That's true. He didn't play Andy. Yeah, I don't know. He I read Andy that on trivia. The of a shoe. Right. I read that trivia, and maybe that's what it is. It was it was a reach, and I shouldn't have never brought it up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> don't fuck with me when it comes to Disney. No, 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 dude. <laughs> and I knew that. That's the thing. I felt off when I read it, but I said, oh, I'm going to lay it out there. But no, that was just dumb. Sorry. And, and I take the it illustrious star of Big Trouble was his was Buzz Lightyear. Oh, <laughs> yes, and Galaxy that's Quest. true. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, one of the greatest films ever put on celluloid. <laughs> well. Saul's line too is really great. He goes, "You want to get Fabian away from me?" Like, <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was good. so yeah. good. Yeah, I like that's... Saul. I was, I wanted more of him. More <laughs> there Saul. Is, there is more of him, and you know, whatever. I, I'll shut up about the extended. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. please don't. I should have done the extended because I could have got gay Mister White and more Saul. I know, man. He, he he gives a spiel where he makes it sound like he discovered them, and it's so oh. funny because. Up until this point, like even like that radio interview you were talking about where they just said hi and then yeah. it, it's like, okay, just leave your headphones. Like they just get up and walk out like they're okay with this. You know, like they're right. getting used to this idea. Like you just show up and smile and you say hi or whatever. Yeah. It's a photo op and then you're done. And it's like everyone else was okay with it except Jimmy in that moment. And Jimmy yeah. feels like it's important to him to like talk about, oh, we only got that one take of um, all my only dreams. You know, yeah. he's... Yeah, you want to punch him, but he's also like, I don't know, in, in my mind, he, he's the guy that you want like to hire as a songwriter. Like All he cares yeah. about is his art and his ballads and, and all this. Like Everyone else wants to party or whatever. You know, right. They're in it for their own things. And it's like, yeah, he's a terrible boyfriend. He's a terrible friend. But he's like the ultimate songwriter because he's, he's not going to get lost in anything else all he freaking cares about is his music and he's willing right. to go up to this guy this total curmudgeon like you know whatever music everything that we are told is awful about the music business is this guy saw he's got like the mustard on the side of his face yeah, you yeah. know like he's exactly. standing there just lying up through his teeth about everything just scarfing down this pastrami or whatever yeah. and you know it's like yeah let me go talk to him about my art you know come on yeah, and, and that the way that he like he kind of just tilts his head. He's like, "You want to get Fabian away from me?" Like, he, was, <laughs> he was so insulted that this this kid would right. even come up and talk to him in the first place. I thought that was exactly. beautiful. I don't find it realistic that he'd be eating lunch in the lobby of a fucking like. Well, because it was a label. spread for everybody. Yeah, wow. Free food. and and it gave him more of a chance to get in front of the press because that that's his fuel. And he loves the, the, the spotlight. The cut scene, he's explaining how to like properly make a sandwich with the mustard and the pastrami oh, there you and go. all that. Yeah. So it's mm. more of just him so he's being holding court grandiose the ego character. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Jim, I mean, Jimmy takes himself so seriously, but he always has. Like, even when they're kids in the garage, you yeah. know, and you're playing it too fast. And, and like, that never changes. You know, it's just, yeah. like, like Doug said earlier, it just gets amplified. <laughs> like nobody's a bigger fan of Jimmy than Jimmy. And those are good points. Absolutely. I mean, I knew that, but you're right. I, I, I can ease off the punch face thing because no. <laughs> you're right. He, he's himself. If, he is true to himself. No, but he's if any of us him. were in a band with him and touring and just trying to enjoy life as a band, no, you'd want yeah. to punch him in the face because yeah, he's, yeah. he's <laughs> yeah. not fun to be yeah. around. Yep. Yep. All right. So, uh, we are now in a coffee shop at the hotel the next day. And did you have something about that coffee shop? Or no, you had that was the Rexall, right? Never mind. Um, they're in the coffee shop at the hotel, and they are talking about Saul Snub. Um, Jimmy is again; he's not happy about it, and we do, you know, we understand, you know, um, he's not happy about it. So, uh, you know, he mentions that Diane Dane told him you can never trust the label. And that's, of course, a warning flag that pops up with Faye and even even Guy. Um, they're not really – they're not having it. Guy and Lenny are, are just – they're not into it. They're not into his beef. Um, they call him out on it, and Jimmy gets up and leaves. 
Um, Faye then briefly tries to explain. I know. <laughs> what does he say? There he goes off to write the hit song, Alone in My Principles. Right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. a great line. <laughs> That's Lenny. Lenny. Yeah, he, he gets Lenny. That's so great. Um, so Faye tries to explain Jimmy's genius. You know, he tested at genius levels, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, again, Guy, Guy and the bass player, they're, they're not listening to this at this point. She leaves, and um, Lenny and Guy are talking about going to Grauman's Chinese Theater. Um, I also love, love the line where Guy just says, if he's a genius, I'm a taunt. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and the bass player just goes, who's a, who's a taunt? And he starts to explain. He goes, oh, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> and I had to look it up. He was the, uh, what was he? He was the uh, Secretary General of the UN back then. So I didn't know that. But uh, yeah, I, I like that line. So they're ready to leave to go to Grauman's when... Um, the bass player is distracted by a group of Marines who just walked into the coffee shop. So, you know, as guys standing at the door waiting to leave, he starts talking to the Marines, telling him he just enlisted. They ask him to do push-ups. He's doing 100 push-ups on the floor. Um, you know, and that and guy knows, all right, fine, leave him. He base. just leaves. He's like, I'm yeah. not even going to try. Yeah, he just goes. <laughs> so we now see it's it's that day but it's it's now it's at night um he comes outside to talk to lamar who's you know that's lamar's hotel um he's yeah you know, he's another hero of this movie mm -hmm. oh absolutely lamar is the best lamar yeah. is the absolute best um he takes care of those he takes care of everyone especially Faye. but he takes care of everyone i don't think he and, ever sleeps either no i know right yeah he's always working he's always yeah. working um so jimmy uh, i mean uh guy asked lamar where he can see some jazz and Lamar gives him a test. He asked him some questions uh, that like, I don't oh, even know. Oh, you want good jazz? Yeah, right. You want good <laughs> jazz? Let me answer me this. And he he quizzes him, and guy gets it right. And Lamar is impressed, so he gets him in the cab and he tells the cabbie to take him to the blue spot. Um, he gets to the blue spot and he's sitting there um, just fanboying, like he's going nuts. He's seeing the best blues players. Probably ever, you know. Yeah, because he's finally seeing real music in this movie. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes. None of this fucking bubblegum pop shit this, this whole fucking movie so far. Exactly. Um, yeah, because I don't know, you know, A Day to Remember is just like one step down from jazz, right, Joe? I, I didn't write the songs. I oh, just that's true. You didn't. You're right. Sorry. Although I did look up while we were here. They had a number two on the Billboard fucking oh. album. Oh, yeah? Oh, shit. Yeah, they peaked at number two. All right. That's not so bad. It could have been um, number one if they, you know, if I hadn't quit. Right. Exactly. You're 100% right. Um, it's funny. He's so obsessed with the music that he is completely oblivious to the servers flirting. Um, Rita server. Wilson. Yo. This yeah. might be the hourglass talking, but was, was my she flirting God. or just straight up like putting it out there? Oh yeah. No, no, no. It was, it was overt. There was no, there, yeah. there was no innuendo there. She was very clear to describe what she was looking for yeah. she zeroed um, in and then yeah. i, I really, like the line later on where where she's like well you're no good to me now i know right it's so this, great and this reminded me of the modern family episodes where him and his wife would go to the hotel and she would try to pick him up at the bar with the fake name <laughs> that's funny um it's cool because uh, her character's name is marguerite and her real name her real first name is margarita so um you know they they Use Wait, that. Rita is short for margarita? Yeah. Not oh. spelled like, I don't think it's spelled like the drink. <laughs> I'm probably pronouncing it improperly, but yes. And the funny thing is, her last name is very Jewish, so it's like margarita with a Jewish last name. That's her real name. Rosenberg. Yeah, something, yeah. yeah. Something Berg. Right. No, it isn't Berg, believe it or not, but it's very Jewish. Well, then it had uh, a gold in it, at least. <laughs> All right, Joe. We're 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 treading the line there, Joe. We need to we need to ease off the throttle just a little. Bit. Let me let me call Elod and I'll figure this no, out. No, please do not. Okay. So anyway, we've got our next semi-long clip. Um, so roll it, please, Joe. I left Vancouver for Tacoma. Tacoma for Portland. Oh, I got married in Portland. Oh, and then I left Portland for Reno, and I got, got divorced from Reno. <laughs> then wise up and faced the inevitable. You know, I moved to L.A. Is the trio going on again? I don't know. Looks like they're kind of busy doing the cock and bull with Del there. 
Dale? Yeah, Dale Paxton. He's one of the regulars. Roving hands, but good cock and bull. Dale Paxton. Mm-hmm. Dale Paxton sitting over there. Oh. Yeah, he owes me money, man. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, Del Paxton is sitting over there. <laughs> oh, I just lost you, didn't I? You want to meet him? <laughs> what? No. No. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? That's Cabby. Marguerite, what you got here? Well, you may not believe this, Del, but this kid has heard of you. That right? Look, sit down, buy me a drink. Del Paxton, who are you? I'm Guy Patterson. I'm from Erie, Pennsylvania. I'm in a band called The Wonders, and we're we just cut a record. We're out here on the coast, and I play the drums, and I have all your records. Well, not all of them, but a lot of them. But uh, at least I did until some of them got swiped when I was stationed in Germany. And you were playing in Germany th th at the time that I was stationed there. But you know what? I couldn't see you because you were playing in Hamburg and I was stationed in Munich. But I listened to your records and I think you're great. You are my biggest fan. Thanks. I'll have another Hennessy. Uh, Hennessy for Del Paxton. Ain't no way to keep a band together. Bands come and go. You gotta keep on playing, no matter with who. You guys any good? Yeah. Yeah, man, we got Jimmy and Lenny and me and Faye. We got something snappy. I really think we do. I'm sure you do. But sooner or later, something makes you crazy. Money, women, the road. Hell, man, just time. Well, we've only been together for two months. Some bands I've been with, that's two months too long. Last call, lovers. I'm gone. You keep on playing. And watch your money. You'll land on your feet. Thanks for your hospitality. Thank you, Del Paxton. Ah, nice young man, huh, Marguerite? Oh, very nice young man, Del. Good night. Night, Marguerite. Thank you, Del. Just look at you. You're no good to me now. <laughs> I love that line. Um... So yeah, I mean he meets he meets his idol Del Paxton. So uh, we are going to jump into our next break, and we will be back in a minute, folks. So if you're uh, listening to Masters of the Cinematic Universe, you obviously love movies. Uh, I do too because I host this podcast, and um, my pedal company, Thirty Seven FX, um, definitely has a movie theme. So if you're looking for really cool guitar pedals and the bonus of having some uh, fun movie themes, uh, hit up the website, 37FX.com. That's the word 30, the number 7.com. Uh, you can find things like the Fat Guy Little Coat Fuzz and uh, soon to be released, the Tombstone Treble Boost, both, both based on some fantastic movies. So, uh, you know, hit the website up. We've got some great sound samples on there. And uh, you can also hit me up um, through Facebook or Instagram uh, with any questions you have. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> 